Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 114 of the Canadians Connection podcast, uh, and I'm pleased to be joined, as always, in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Uh, Rick, how are you doing today? Doing great. The um, the stash is gone. November's yeah. over. Stash is November's, gone. All yeah. cleaned up. Yeah. Um, st- I still haven't got a haircut, but but, but other that, than that, that time will come. <laughs> and just uh, just looking through my hockey card collection here, which is actually oh, yeah. uh, sadly small. Um, ah. But but uh, I'm guessing that that uh, that you checked you checked for the Gretzky card. Yeah, I checked for the Gretzky card. No go for me. No, no go for me. It, no. it, that's probably the reason you're here today. If, you, <laughs> if, if you had the one point. No, listen, you're you're the kind of guy that mm-hmm. you do this for the love of it. So even if yes. you had the $1.2 million Gretzky card. I, I'd still be here. You'd still be here. I'd, I'd still be here. For I, sure. I just, I'd just be more financially comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might... I might have a little bit better background behind me that you would oh, see. Yeah. You'd see, yeah, yeah, you know, all sorts of Habs sports paraphernalia uh-huh. everywhere. That would be what that that's the only difference that would happen is I would have just a lot of a, a better background. That really. would be your first um, purchases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would just be uh, an insane amount of of sports memorabilia just by yeah, yeah, nice, all that stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, no go for me on the on the Wayne Gretzky hockey card. No. Um, but uh, I mean, hey. Congratulations to those that do have it. Well, I guess, exactly. man. Yeah, they're living they're living lavish lifestyles now. Uh, but Rick, um, that was just one of a couple of stories that came out this week, and we're here to discuss all of the things that came out uh, in the past week for the Montreal Canadiens around the hockey world, and uh, that's what we do every week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Uh, Rick, in the second segment, we have a very interesting conversation to have after. Uh, an article from Matthias Brunet um, in La Presse uh, discussing whether or not this edition, the 2020-2021 edition of the Montreal Canadiens, is in fact the best edition of the Montreal Canadiens in the last 25 years. Um, it's an interesting it, question, yeah. and and it really <laughs> ties in. The last two episodes, hopefully you've mm-hmm. been listening. If you've missed any episodes, uh, head to CanadiansConnection.com to catch up any on any past episodes. But the last two weeks, we've been we've been looking back. We've been taking a look back, um, and this kind of ties in nicely with those 
discussions where you look yeah. back at past rosters, compare it to uh, there's lots of excitement for uh, the coming year and, and the additions to the roster and the development of the young guys. Um, so that's a great question for us to, to tackle. Is this the best roster in the last quarter century? Yeah, and it's going to be a fun one. We're going to get to that in segment two, uh, as you said. So before we get there, Rick, um, obviously this has been a different offseason than others. Mm -hmm. And we had the beginning of free agency just days after the draft in October. It's It's been a very strange offseason, a very strange path that we've taken to this point. But... Because of the current situation, living in a flat cap world for the next two, three years, potentially, uh, beyond that maybe even, there are some guys, some free agents that still don't have a home. One of them being Mike Hoffman, who has been a guy throughout his career that has found ways to score 20 goals, even 30 goals some years, and coming off a year where he had 29 goals for the Florida Panthers this past season, probably would have had 30 if he gotten to the end of mm -hmm. that season. So he still doesn't have a home. There are other free agents like him, but Rick, it, it, it's a very interesting case, uh, Mike Hoffman, because obviously the circumstances surrounding his departure from Ottawa a few years back were not ideal, mm -hmm. um, but he's a guy that has reliably scored 20-plus goals throughout his career. He still doesn't have a home. It's a very strange situation for this guy. And, it, you know... Whatever you say about about Mike Hoffman, uh, the offensive there, and he's the kind of yeah. guy who can um, instantly help your power play. And the Canadians need help on the power play. Uh, they think they've added that uh, into Foley and Josh Anderson, but uh, why not have one more? And and certainly yeah. that's the kind of discussion that's going on. We've seen a couple of articles this past week on uh, should the Canadians add Mike Hoffman, um, given the cap situation, uh, they would have to make some other moves to make that happen. It's been suggested that uh, whether it's Brett Kulak or Thomas Tatar or, uh, you know, uh, ridding yourself of those kind of players to bring in Mike Hoffman might be worth it. I don't know. It's the kind of discussion you might want to have. But uh, as we talked about uh, prior to the show, you and I, um, He's Mike Hoffman is just one of 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 uh, a couple of of uh, very good uh, yeah. free agents who um, who still remain unsigned. Uh, Eric Howla being another one. Uh, he's somebody obviously, and, and you touched on this a couple of years back. Had a huge season with Vegas. Mm -hmm. um, for whatever reason, has never really been able to find himself a consistent home uh, playing. Uh, for the Minnesota Wild, then Vegas, selected in the expansion draft. Carolina was traded midseason by Carolina to Florida for Vinny Trocek. He's somebody that I've always really liked, and I, I, I'm really confused as to why he's still available. Anthony Duclair, another one coming off a big season with Ottawa. And, of course, we'd be remiss not to mention Zdeno Chara, but that's obviously a different situation <laughs> yeah. uh, than the others. Yeah. Uh, the other guys, I think, are unfortunately victims of, of a market that that really um, that, that, that really went into a bit of a tailspin after obviously all of, all of COVID and everything hit. Um, but regardless, it's it's a very intriguing situation. Mike Hoffman being who he is, a consistent goal scorer. Um, and you, you'd have to, I think, you'd have to think that the Canadians are at least doing 
their due diligence as, as well as other teams because mm-hmm. it's it's obviously a very intriguing guy and, and can fix a power play uh, <laughs> very, very quickly. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see where exactly Mike Hoffman lands. Um, but, Rick, we'll move on because we actually have um, – some some news that's come out in the last couple of days. Of course, the World Juniors are right around the corner, and rosters are being announced for the World Juniors. We had Team Canada finalize their roster, and uh, good news for Montreal Canadiens fans, Caden Gooley uh, made the cut for Team Canada. He's going to be a part of uh, Team Canada at the upcoming World Juniors. Um, and, and Rick, obviously that will be a, a huge reason for Montreal Canadiens fans, uh, to watch this tournament other than obviously the reason, because we haven't seen hockey in a while and we like to watch hockey. <laughs> we do. Um, <laughs> but this, this, this is a, a big step for Caden Gooley. Uh, yeah. we, we said, um, you know, it was a, a pretty talented, not only talented blue line, but talented, uh, team overall. Um, yeah. the forwards, all 14 forwards are, are uh, were first-round picks in the National Hockey League. Um, so very strong team. Uh, Kirby Dock, uh, Quentin Byfield, uh, Dylan Holloway, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, uh, mm-hmm. even Nick Suzuki's brother Ryan is in there, yeah. um, Cole Perfetti. I mean, um, when you... I, we, we didn't get to see a lot of camp, but y- when, you, when you watch camp... Uh, you know the the guys who uh, just jumped off the page were Bowen Byram, uh, Peyton Krebs, uh, Kirby Dock, of course, Connor McMichael, another one. Yeah. Um, so this is um, this is going to be uh, interesting. I, you know, I I saw Craig Button said this team the way they stack up is not going to lose a game. They're not going to lose a game. Um, <laughs> That's high praise, and, and yeah, it's it's high expectations, and and um, the the difficulty is, is you know the unusual year, the fact that mm-hmm. that uh, many of these players haven't been able to play yet, uh, whereas you know you have uh, players in Sweden, players in Russia, playing. The U.S. team might be strong, so um, it's going to be really uh, very difficult to predict. Although Craig Button doesn't seem to have a problem doing that, but no. but it's going to be tough to predict. <laughs> and um, I, I don't know. This is the Canada, of course, is is in there for a title defense. Uh, mm-hmm. One gold last year. Um, pretty strong team, but but let's see let's see how this all plays out. Yeah, and of course, and listen, we're going to have this conversation about on paper uh, in the second segment, but. It's obviously at this point, it's it's very much on paper, and you're looking at this, and you're you're looking at this roster, and yeah, as you said, first round picks all amongst the forward groups, uh, all amongst the forward group rather, excuse me, and then the defensive core guy you liked uh, this most recent draft, Braden Schneider's there. You have yeah. Byram and Drysdale returning to that defensive core. Thomas Harley was a first round pick. I mean, you're looking at a really good group there. The only thing is, as it is all the time with these tournaments, are you going to be able to depend on a goaltender? Is, mm-hmm. is somebody going to emerge? And that's obviously, I think, at this point, uh, the major question. Uh, there's not a, a Carter Hart like in 2018. That is, and I mean, Joel Hofer last year was, was a revelation. Um, but yeah, the one thing I will say, though, you got Alex Newhook, and Dawson Mercer, two Newfoundlanders on this year's Whoa. Team Canada. So that's uh, that was a 
a point of celebration uh, yesterday uh, in Newfoundland that you have uh, two Newfoundlanders right there. As and many, one of the th- as many yeah. Newfoundlanders as Quebecers. As y- yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the one other thing that I want to point out too is I said that you, a guy you like, Brain Schneider, is right there on on the blue line. You also have you, you have Dawson Mercer, you have Dylan Holloway, you have Connor Zary, three of the guys that I that I said that's that right. I would like the Montreal Canadiens to pick. So it's going to be a good opportunity uh, for me to see a little bit more of Dylan Holloway and Connor Zary. I'm intrigued to see how they perform uh, at uh, the at the World Juniors as well as Braden Schneider. Um, but Rick, uh, we'll we'll move on because we do have news uh, surrounding Cole Caulfield as well. It was uh, announced earlier today that he has made the U.S. team. Doesn't really come as a surprise there. He was on the team last year. You'd sort of expect that uh, to be to be the case that he would be back uh, with Team USA for this year's tournament. For sure. And um, coming back with something to prove. And he yeah. said so that uh, fans were disappointed in his performance at last year's uh, World Junior Championships. And he was disappointed, and, and he said that he's going to make amends for that. He's on mm-hmm. a mission uh, this year. Um, you looking at the, the, the Team USA roster, maybe not quite as impressive on paper as, as Team Canada, but still, uh, Trevor Zegras, who I yeah. like, um, Bobby Brink and, and Cam York from the Flyers. I think, if anything, um, uh, you had talked about goaltending with, with Team Canada. Uh, the U.S. with Spencer Knight and Dustin Wolf uh, are looking pretty good, solid. They should be yeah. solid in goal. Um, kind of an odd announcement this morning, though. Um, when they made the announcement, the roster was put out as 13 forwards, 9 defensemen, and 3 goaltenders. Um, and, and, it was, and it was said that the reason they had to go to... They clarified this morning why they had to go from 14 forwards to 13 forwards and add a defenseman. Is it related to a COVID case? Uh, and John Beecher's name was mentioned. Now, all of this has just come out in the last hour. So yeah. uh, that could be, we'll see what kind of impact uh, that has on Team USA and if it goes anywhere beyond just the one one case or one player. Yeah, and and John Beecher was, was a curious, he was curious by his absence with that because, of course, he's on the team last year. And I believe he still had one game to serve on a suspension um, that that was uh, that announced last uh, at last year's tournament. So, yeah, a very curious case there, and I guess we'll, we'll wait and see what the fallout is if there's any uh, contact uh, cases uh, from that. But um, Rick, finally, we'll get to uh, Jesse Alonen, um, and there was a very interesting interview with Jesse Alonen that came out this week. And uh, it appears as though that he's got a really good attitude and is very confident that. He will be a Montreal Canadian, and when he gets to Montreal, he'll be a guy that scores a lot of goals. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's a good attitude to have, and you got to yeah. really feel for Jesse alone. And um, remember, we talked about him. I was particularly impressed with him uh, uh, at the last Canadians uh, camp. Uh, really smooth skater, and and um, uh, the development camp. Sorry. Um, really smooth skater, and and obviously good hands. Uh, and kind of trying to round out his game, and and he arrived last March in uh, in North America with the intent of finishing the season with Laval. Um, he got over here had a, 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 a minor injury that that uh, um, he was uh, 
you know, getting through and was ready to make his debut in the Lavelle Rocket lineup. And that's when the season was paused. Yeah. Um, and that's tough. That's really, yeah. that's very tough. Uh, so he had to head back over to, to Finland. Um, and, and his season, and he fully admits his season hasn't necessarily gone as he had hoped. Um, he has four goals and, and, uh, and an assist in 19 games for the uh, Pelicans. Um, and um, part of it, I think, part of it's got to be the disappointment in, in uh, how his last season, and then, you know, readjusting himself. And the other part of it is, and we saw this with uh, um, Kakanyemi, learning to play with some extra weight. He had gone from a, a rather slender 167 pounds uh, on his frame uh, over the off season, had added 20 pounds of muscle, and he's up to 187. And you have to learn how to play with that extra yeah. size and 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 balance and 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 all of that adjustment. Um, but I, you know, the the interview, he he sounds like he's very self aware. He sounds like uh, he knows what he has to work on. Um, and that um, you know he's he's been in touch with Kakinyemi. Uh, countryman to to be able to ask him for pointers about the team, about uh, living in the city, all of those kinds of things, and and uh, just a, a, a delightful interview. Um, I I, th- I thought it was interesting that he was asked about his his mentors, uh, his players that he looked up to, and obviously the names of Koivu and Solani came up, um, uh, which is not a not yeah. a surprise at all. Uh, but then he was asked about which player on the Canadians are you uh, most looking forward to meeting? And uh, the first name out of his mouth was Shea Weber. He said, the, the man's a legend and I can't wait to meet him. Uh, yeah. And, and absolutely right. <laughs> he's he's yep. got that right. No question there. And of course, I think meeting Shea Weber and just being in his presence, I think that's something that you look forward to in and of itself before you even get to the fact that, oh yeah, you're going to be playing in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Rick, um, we'll move on because the Montreal Canadiens uh, this week uh, was on Facebook, on social media, YouTube. They had a uh, Christmas concert. They did. That featured uh, Diane Bebo. And it's great to hear uh, Diane Bebo play the organ as she did as she does all the time at the bell center uh, when hockey is happening uh but they they played some christmas tunes this time and it was great to hear and there you go <laughs> you know just a little bit of christmas songs yeah. in the background here will um I, I commend the canadians for doing yeah. something a bit different um yeah. i i think you'd agree there that uh it it, it was it was nice uh, to be able to engage their fans. We, we, we don't know what's happening with the season yet. We have a bit of an idea, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a few minutes. Uh, but they were able to run this, this concert on their website, on Facebook, um, about a half an hour or so, and, and uh, fans got to enjoy Christmas carols. They got to see UP. Yeah. Um, and and it, was just, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah, it was great. And it was, listen, it was good to see Yupi. It was good to see Diane Bebo. Uh, and, and of course, Diane Bebo did not just play Christmas tunes. She also had some of the sounds that you would be accustomed to hearing during a game at the Bell Center as well, which was, was great to hear, but it also a little bit 
disappointing that we haven't gotten to hear Diane Bebo play that in a while. Exactly. Just talking over this feels like I'm like what I'm saying is more important. <laughs> <laughs> it is. We should put oh, that in man. the background all the time, right? Yeah, that's that's perfect. That's perfect. It's 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 exactly what you need. <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to that, so we got the sounds of the Bell Center. We got some Christmas tunes. We got to see Yuppie in the reverse retro jerseys, I might add. Ah. Um, but you also got some messages from players as well. Uh, J- uh, Jeff Petrie, I think, uh, was one of them. But we have some audio here. We have uh, First, we have Nick Suzuki uh, with a holiday message. Hey, guys. Uh, it's Nick here. I uh, hope everyone's going to have a great holiday. And I really wish I could be there in Montreal with, with everyone. Uh, one of my favorite things about the holidays is getting together with friends and family. I know we can't do that right now, but uh, I can't wait to get back to doing that and being back to normal. And you're right. Um, there was yeah. Phil Deneau, Paul yep. Byron, uh, Victor Meta, Gallagher, uh, Brandon Gallagher, um, yeah. and uh, and that one from from Nick Suzuki. Also, uh, the newcomer, uh, Tyler Toffoli. Hey, guys, yeah. this is Tyler Toffoli here. Um, just wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. Um, this is definitely my favorite time of the year. My favorite part growing up was waking up with my sisters and um, running down the stairs and seeing all the, uh, the hard work that my parents did and decorating the tree and making the house beautiful. Uh, my mom definitely loves the holidays, so she did a lot of work and it was definitely a lot of fun growing up, and it still is. Uh, it still is today, and makes me feel like a little kid. So, just want to wish you all a happy, uh, happy holidays and Merry Christmas. Yeah, and uh, that's great to hear from Tyler Toffoli. I'm wondering. Uh, you said uh, spending Christmas with his sisters. I wonder who was who woke up who. Who was the <laughs> who's the first one? That was always the that was always the game that you play when you had siblings. Was who's going to be the first one awake? Yeah. Uh, on Christmas morning. <laughs> and uh, then you had, of course, the captain, uh, Shea Weber, uh, sending a holiday message as well. Hey, guys. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, one of my favorite parts about the Christmas season, although it's a little bit of a weird year and uh, not normal, is, is spending time with family and um, the ones closest to you. It's uh, it's always a good time to get together and uh, enjoy enjoy it in most circumstances. And uh I hope everyone's enjoying the the holiday season and uh, joyous fets and and happy holidays from all of us. An appropriate message from the captain um, that, uh, you know, it's an odd season, but Mm -hmm. uh, when it, when it all boils down, it's, it's all about family and friends and you find ways of, of celebrating, even though things are a little bit different this year. Yeah. And uh, we'll just finish here with uh, Deanne Bebo and we wish you a Merry Christmas. Yeah. It's it's great to hear. Listen, and that's I would recommend anybody that hasn't uh, taken the time to watch that. You want to get a little bit into the holiday spirit, into the Christmas spirit. You go, you watch that, and you see all your favorite Habs with Christmas messages. You see uh, Diane Bebo and and Yuppie, and it's 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 all fantastic. So uh, that's still up there on YouTube. And yeah, you said about about a half an hour. It's a, it's a pretty pretty fun watch. Uplifting. Um, yeah, yeah. And I said that Diane Bebo and Yuppie were both sporting. The reverse retro jersey. Uh, not only did we get them modeling it this week, we also got Brendan Gallagher modeling yeah. the reverse retro jersey this week. And Rick, I've I've been critical of of the reverse retro jersey a little bit. Okay. I, I've 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 said that you know it's 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 my opinion, and, and if you know I don't like it, and hundreds or thousands of other people love it, then hey, that's great. The Montreal Canadiens have a popular jersey. 
I think that though this might grow on me because it, you always sort of need to see it on a player <laughs> True. to sort of get the visual of it. And it does it still doesn't look quite right, but it doesn't look as sort of it doesn't look as as like because my sensibilities is that it should be a red jersey and that's yeah. what it's telling me. But I kind of see it and I kind of I'm, I'm growing on it a little bit. Well, certainly seeing uh, Gallagher all dressed um and on the ice, uh, yeah. in action, the little video that that they had. Um, I mean, it's it's the Canadians' uh, jersey is striking. Seeing it in blue is a little bit off putting, but yeah. but um, it's still sharp. It looks it's it, clean. It, it, yeah, it's clean. It's sharp. Yep. It's it's uh, the Canadians' image. Um, you know, people talked about the Rangers' color and whatnot, which is yeah. a little awkward. But but it <laughs> looks pretty good. It it, it really and and it's not as as garish as some of the other third jerseys. So I, yeah. I think I think we'll be fine. I think we'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Looked like, pretty good on UP too. It did look good on UP and Diane Bebo. Uh shout yeah. out to Yeah. But anyways, I, I don't think yeah, because it always it always looked clean. It was just was I ever gonna get used to seeing a primary blue colored Habs mm. jersey? And I wasn't sure that it that it, that I would, but but I think yeah, it's growing on me a little bit. And I think that over time I'll I'll, I'll learn to to uh I don't know if I'll say love it, but I learned to appreciate it for what it is. Uh, now, if you had 1.29 million, would you go uh, out and buy it? You know, uh, I, I, <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> one, maybe one. I don't know. I don't know. I know there's a lot that you could buy with uh, 1.29, whatever much million dollars it was. But uh, I think maybe maybe just the one, okay, uh, just to have. But uh, yeah, no, uh, <laughs> uh, Rick. I should mention. Um, uh, leading into this next topic we're going to discuss, which is not an easy transition to make, but one jersey that my dad does have is a Guy Lafleur jersey. Um, and we thought it might be appropriate at this point because we know that both Guy Lafleur and Guy Lapointe are both um, going through a bit of a, of a health scare at the moment just to, to update that situation. Yeah, and, and uh, Guy Lafleur, uh, we know in October it was announced that he was he's... Uh, Battling throat cancer um, yeah. and a, a number of, of challenges that he's he's sorry, um, battling lung cancer. Yeah, uh, Guy Lafleur, um, and a number of health challenges that he's had, and and we're thinking about him at this time of year. A bit of good news in that Guy Lapointe, and he was the one with throat cancer, uh, that that he's been uh, uh, cleared. He's uh, in remission. Um, so that's, that's all great news. And, and yeah. he, um, had, uh, uh, a lot to say about, about the battle that he's been through and, and, uh, he's still got some, uh, challenges. Uh, he talks about having a difficulty tasting things and, and, uh, Kila point is always one to make a joke. So I liked his <laughs> line that he can't taste the food. He said, uh, I feel a bit like a trash can. You open the lid, throw the food in, and close it because uh, you <laughs> can't change it right now. And you remember when we were in Dallas, in Dallas and yeah. uh, Guy, I went over and talked to him, and Gila Point came over to our table, and uh, your dad was was quite interested yeah. in in meeting him. And <laughs> we have to say, I remember he was wearing like a pink T-shirt, and he, yes. he looked a bit on the overweight side. And and uh, Guy said he says. Um, that during this this difficulty for him, um, that he's lost fifty pounds. He said, uh, "I weighed two seventy and I was overweight. 
I'm now at 220, just about 10 pounds heavier than I, I played. And it wasn't the ideal way to lose weight, but I feel no. much I feel much better. <laughs> so uh, good to hear that he's on yeah. the, on the mend and and uh, and is is feeling much better. And in, in good spirits, and as you said, in, in his uh, usual form, uh, cracking some jokes. So mm-hmm. it's uh, good to hear. And of course, you want to wish all the best uh, continued to both him and, and Guy Lafleur as as uh, they continue on. Um, uh, but Rick, we'll move on to uh, one of our favorite segments on this podcast. Uh, they said what? And this week we heard from uh, the sports science and performance director for the Montreal Canadiens, Pierre Allard. And and the thing that's very interesting, uh, sports science and performance, that's become, that's become, I think that's at the forefront in professional sports more than it's really ever been right now. Um, in conjunction with analytics, you know, mm-hmm. the sports science departments throughout professional sports are, I think, are getting more attention than ever before. So very interesting time to hear uh, from Pierre Allard. For sure. And um, what does he do? Um, you know, we, there, we've, we've talked about the, the doctor and the strength and conditioning and the nutritionist. And, well, um, Pierre Allard is kind of the coordinator of all of this because he's the data guy. He's the measurements yeah. guy. He's, he's like, okay, this is uh, with respect to nutrition. Okay, this guy's on a plant-based diet. But he's like, how does this perform? Uh, affect performance. That's yeah. his. That's his uh, reason for being, and we know that it's PLR that, that administers the the uh, benchmark tests right when they get to uh, camp, and then compares those year to year too. And 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 which are helpful when when somebody's going through injury uh, mm-hmm. and rehab to be able to say, okay, where were you when this started? Where what were all of your metrics? Um, and so he he works closely with the the entire team, um, and is and is very data based um, in helping to make sure that that the performance in whether it's nutrition or or conditioning or you know putting on weight whatever it is that yeah. it's all uh, guided towards improving a player's performance. Yeah, and, and the first clip that we're going to play touches on the fact that he's a guy that is working with prospects as well as the current members of the team. I worked a lot with uh, Trevor Timmons uh, and Rob Ramage and Francis Bouillon. So we, we plan every every month or every three weeks. Um, so far, we uh, we gather together and we uh, we talk about like uh, the issues that the, the, the young prospect have and things like that. So we're uh, constantly uh, talking to them. Constantly talking, constantly meeting, and we've talked. To, uh, we've we've had clips from Rob Ramage. We've had clips from yeah. uh, Francis Bullion, um, and and so it's important to know that Pierre Lard is not only dealing dealing with the uh, members on the current roster, but also the prospects, and and uh, helping individualize plans for them. Uh, whether it's whether it's uh, with respect to their their training, their conditioning. Um, whatever it is. And, and uh, you hear that Trevor Timmons is still very involved. Uh, so not only with the, the amateur scouting, but once these people get uh, um, uh, drafted and part of the team, um, that development process with Rob Ramage and, and Frankie Booth, it, it's, they all work together, they all meet, and they all have input into helping, um, helping as I said before, the, the players meet uh, their 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 optimal performance. Yeah, and of course, I think one of the more interesting cases, and we've we've heard everybody get asked about this guy the past couple of weeks here. On they said what 
is Alexander Romanov, who's going to be making that transition from being a prospect to a member of the Montreal Canadiens. And so uh, Pierre Allard touched on Alexander Romanov being right where he needs to be. His uh, attitude is outstanding. Uh, we we saw him at the development camp uh, here in Montreal a couple of years ago that, that he stayed with uh, the prospect and he assisted to the uh, the seminars that we were do, uh, taking place in in Brassard and and he, uh, physically, I mean, he is working is working really hard. He wants to uh, he wants to understand that. That's what I like uh, with him is not only we telling him what to do or we giving him program. He wants to uh, understand why he's doing some type of uh, of training and in the gym. Uh, that's someone that works uh, really hard. So physically, uh, for me, is he is right where he needs to be. He's is a strong. Strong players, uh, strong player, and he, he works hard in the gym uh, for us. So not only following directions blindly, but he wants uh, Romanov wants to know why. Why is he doing something? Yeah. Uh, how's that going to help him? Um, so he's he's thinking through, um, and 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 that way you're. I think you're more committed uh, and and more focused on on uh, the type of of training that you're doing. Uh, Pierre Allard said that Romanov's attitude's outstanding. Physically, um, uh, he's he's uh, he's right there. He's working very hard and right where he needs to be. That's that's pretty high praise. Again, and we've heard that week to week to week. Yeah. Everybody's pretty high on Romanov. Luke Richardson last week. Uh, I mean, everybody that you hear from is raving about Alexander Romanov, his work ethic, his attitude. So that's that's fantastic to hear. Um, but. Another guy that you're very curious about moving forward, um, and of course, coming off of a bit of a season where there was injuries, there was ups and downs, and uh, right before the season was paused, Jesperi Kotkaniemi had suffered that spleen injury, and of course, we know the story now. He comes back in the bubble, uh, plays remarkably well, and right now, um, you're wondering what's next for Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Well, Pierre Lard saying that Jesperi Kotkaniemi is is following the natural prospect development curve. Going back to Finland, I think he he, he was way more focused. And and when he uh, he got back to Montreal, we saw the the, the difference. But uh, I mean, it's no different than any other prospect that uh, uh, it, it needs time. And and uh, I think it's the fact that he gained some weight is just the results of uh, uh, of all the work that he's been doing over the the past couple of years. And sometimes things take times, and sometimes it goes faster. But it's not a constant just curve. It's it, there's fluctuation in that uh, process. But uh, for for us, is uh, he, he, he showed up as a very more mature uh, physically uh, player, but uh, uh, I wouldn't say that. that that's just the results of, uh, of many years of, uh, of work with him. Again, we've heard these comments about Kotkaniemi before, about him being more mature and more yeah. focused in, in, on what he needs to do. And um, I think there was a, you know, we preach patience when it comes to um, uh, prospects. And uh, I think Pierre Allard mentioned something. Uh, very, um, very important there that there are fluctuations. Uh, there are going to be, um, you know, uh, plateaus. There are going to be uh, valleys that that the prospects find themselves in. But 
you know, uh, no need to write them off. Uh, those kinds yeah. of things happen, and it's part of the natural development process. Same thing with Cole Caulfield, who may have a bad game when he's on RDS and TSN. Mm-hmm. Two bad games. Uh, yeah. But but that's natural, and, and so... Um, fans gotta much must understand that that uh, what's happening with Kanyemi is just part of of uh, a long term development process. Yeah, that's that's unfortunately a part of it now, and I feel like now more than than really ever is is people want things instantaneously. They want to see it right away. And with young guys, you're not always going to see everything right off the bat. You're going to have to go through some peaks and valleys. And for Yasperi Kanyemi this past year, I mean, there was a lot that he had to go through, but he came out the other end of it in the bubble in, in Toronto and continuing over once, I mean, obviously there was a little bit of concern about him not scoring once he got to Finland, but once he got that off of uh, that monkey off his back, he was able to go and, and play really well, adjust to the size of the ice surface, and now he's back in Montreal again. He, he should be, uh, you know, in a, in a good spot um, going forward, but as there always is, there's going to be peaks and valleys. So it's it's very important to know that uh, heading in that he's still a very young player and he's still a lot to learn. Um, but Rick, heading into this season, whatever it might look like, we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, there's going to it's accepted that this is going to be a condensed schedule, and with that comes the question of how much. You know, uh, the balance of, of a work and rest that's necessary for tackling this condensed schedule. Our message uh, it has been this, the same since the, the beginning is to make sure you're ready. It, it's not it's not a switch that you turn on a week before. Uh, so it's all the buildup that you've done over the, the past couple of months. So that's why uh, after, well, after Toronto, we gave a, a little break to the players. But uh, after a few weeks, we were right on top uh, in their training. So so that's that's a, that was the biggest challenge is to make sure that everybody show up in good uh, well, health and condition. So, so we we can uh, work and, and move on into uh, more uh, specific work uh, with the coaches on the ice. So th- that that's for that that part. For the for the the challenge of the I would say the the calendar would be to make sure to recover. There's a lot that we learn over uh, the past year, I would say, and we were trying to apply all the the data that we collect over, over over the past couple of years and and making sure that the players get the right amount of work and once we reach that amount it's important to uh, to stop and 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 recover after that this is uh, this is really important. It's and it's often forgotten that um, there's training that needs to be done, uh, strength, uh, conditioning, all of those kinds of things. But uh, at some point, you got to stop and you got to recover. You got to rest. Yeah. Um, and with young players, that's hard to make them do. And and uh, it's something obviously that PLR, Pierre Allard has been preaching, um, and uh, and and that he, he probably has to um, stress it to the coaching staff as well, that, uh, that, that this is something that they plan for. Uh, and it's going to be particularly important in a condensed uh, schedule. Um, the other thing, I, I want to let you have a chance to, to talk about that, but I also want to let you talk about uh, something that Pierre Allard said in French, and uh, we don't have the clip here, but he talked about how important... Thomas Placanitz has been. Um, Thomas Placanitz was involved in a virtual training camp 
Um, and uh, because Thomas Pican, you were t- you, you mentioned a few minutes ago that fans want things right away. Yeah, young players want things right away. Cole Caulfield yeah. wants to come in and and make an immediate impact, and he's not going to be able to do that. And and for the first time, for a lot of these uh, players who have been stars everywhere at every level of play, they're not able to do that, and there's some frustration. And so Thomas Placanitz, who, uh, you know, he, he, he did his time in the AHL and he worked his way up. And, and uh, that's the kind of thing that, that he, he uh, spoke to them about and told them that, that, that they can't uh, just rely on their, their natural talent. It's going to take them a lot of work to, to make that, that final step to the NHL. Um, and I thought that was really important that, that they've tapped into uh, a player, former player like Thomas Placanitz, to help them uh, with the the uh, message to these young players. Yeah, and and Thomas Placanitz, and, and we touched on this a couple of weeks back when the idea of him uh, speaking with uh, Jan Mishak, who the Canadians drafted in the second round, when that was a possibility. I mean, the impact of Thomas Placanich in that locker room in Montreal, particularly with the forward group, with guys like Arturi Lekkinen, with Brendan Gallagher, all those guys, that's still very much there. So, I mean, the fact that he's now speaking with, with these young players as well, and, of course, we touched on the fact that Jan Mishak went out of his way to call Thomas Placanich yeah. the other way around, and now you have Placanich as part of this uh, virtual training camp. Um that, that's fantastic to hear, and it's great that he's getting involved in that way because Thomas Blakanich, uh, one of the smartest two-way players that the Montreal Canadiens have had in the last 20 years. Uh, so involving him in that in that type of a role and a mentorship role in whatever form that might come, I think is a, is a great way to use him. But yeah, the, the, the interesting part of this upcoming season is going to be the work the rest, balancing that. And that's been uh, at the forefront, as I said, in professional sports, whether it's baseball with pitching and the innings and and wanting to make sure that they don't get over a certain pitch count. I mean, more than than ever the last 20 years, the last 10 years, it's at the forefront right now. And and for a condensed schedule like this, you're going to need to be keeping an eye on how much game action Carey Price is getting, the minutes on Shea Weber, all these sorts of things that that have been, I think, uh, been coming more and more at the forefront. But especially in a condensed season, that's that is all the more important. Um, but speaking of Carey Price, we'll shift gears now and talk about <laughs> the great goalie ranking uh, from Sports Illustrated and the Hockey News. Uh, they had Carey Price ranked, and this was a ranking of all 31 NHL starting goaltenders for each team. Uh, Carey Price was ranked number two behind Andre Vasilevsky, uh, just in front of Connor Hellebuck. So Carey Price between the guy that won the Stanley Cup with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the guy who most recently won the Vesna Trophy. So so good company for Carey Price, and, and, and I would say a pretty fair ranking um, as well. Uh, but, uh, Rick, this comes in the same week where, and I was going to send this to you right. yesterday, uh, Sportsnet, two guys, uh, two of their analysts, uh, Anthony Stewart and Justin Bourne have been putting out rankings, top five forwards, top five centers, top five wingers, defensemen, uh, and they got to goaltenders. And uh, Justin Bourne uh, had ranked Carey Price as the fourth goaltender, the fourth best goaltender in Canada uh, behind Hellebuck, Freddie Anderson, and Jacob Markstrom. Um, 
So a little bit different here in, <laughs> in the great goalie ranking. Sorry, Justin Bourne, but there's no way that uh, Carey Price is behind uh, Frederick Anderson. Not a, no. not a chance, and nor nor Jacob Markstrom. And, and yeah. um, listen, that's 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 par for the course there. Um, <laughs> the I, I think it was a, is as you said a pretty fair ranking from um, the joint uh, Sports Illustrated Hockey News uh, rankings. Uh, as you said, they called theirs the great goalie ranking. Um, what they, what they, the little commentary, and and I, I don't have any problem with Vasilevsky being uh, ahead of uh, Price on this list, um, and and it's helped by the the team in front of them, as they yeah. mentioned in the article. Um, but they say about Price, they say there's no clear cut best goalie in the NHL these days, which is fair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a healthy, rested price is as close as it gets. And th- the proof is, if, if you watch the return to play, if you watch the, uh, the playoffs, uh, it was K- the Carey Price show. Uh, he's the only reason that um, Canadians were able to get past uh, the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Connor Hellebuck, uh, just behind him, um, as you said, reigning Vezina winner. Um, it's going to make... With an all Canadian division, uh, those two, those two, obviously the best goaltenders in that that all Canadian division, Price and Hellebuck, that's going to make uh, that's going to make it very interesting. Um, now the the Hockey News has Frederick Anderson at fifteen, and that's about right. Uh, they talk about his propensity for soft goals. Matt Murray yeah. uh, with Ottawa. I mean, Matt Murray was was displaced in Pittsburgh, and and uh, um, perhaps rightly so by Tristan mm-hmm. Jerry. Um, and I, 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 they have Miko Koskinen at twenty three, uh, I guess. Um, so uh, Jacob Markstrom at at eleven. Uh, so I th- I think that's fair. I think that yeah. that Price and Hellebuck in this All Canadian Division are going to be at the the top of that and. And um, you know maybe maybe Winnipeg is going to be uh, in tough this year, uh, but they have uh, they have uh, uh, a goaltender who can uh, help win them games. And just as as the Canadians have had in the past, and hopefully the additions that the Canadians have made over the off season will help ensure that that all the load isn't uh, there for Carey Price to carry. Yeah, and that's the interesting part here is the Montreal Canadiens have made some really nice additions to their group. And you talk about Joel Edmondson as being one of them and Jake Allen, because Jake Mm -hmm. Allen is is going to be hopefully the guy that takes away. And then, then that healthy and rested part of, of what SI and and the the hockey news is talking about comes to pass. The one thing about Connor Hellebuck is, and of course he's got a a fantastic forward group in front of him, Mark Shifley, uh, Blake Wheeler, just, just great players, but the margin of error is a little bit, it's quite small for for Connor Hellebuck. So if he doesn't replicate most of what he did last year, the blue line is still relatively inexperienced. Yep. You're still dealing with something there that um, that to me is going to be a huge question mark for the Winnipeg Jets. But uh, yeah, it's it's still uh, I think it's it is fair to say that you have Andre Vasilevsky as the number one goaltender and Connor Hellebuck number three with Carey Price right there in between. Um, Rick, we'll, we'll move on because we do have some other stories to get to. Um, this one comes out every year, but uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, ranked the third most valuable NHL team uh, by Forbes. 
this is hard to talk about in a, yeah. in a pandemic <laughs> uh, when yeah. so many have been affected uh, health-wise and financially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Canadians kind of holding on to their, their um, there's been no uh, change. Even, even with the, the, the pandemic, there's been no change in the Forbes valuation. They still remain third in the National Hockey League behind uh, the New York Rangers and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And they're valued... Their value has held $1.34 billion, that's billion with a B, mm. uh, dollars uh, for the franchise. That is incredible. Now, their operating income is down, uh, and that's to be expected during the, the, the pandemic. Last year, it was at $106 million in, in operating income. This year, it's down um, to about $87 million, and... You know, during a pandemic, um, when you have operating income of $87 million, it's not so shabby. No, no. That's a, that's a lot of money to be talking <laughs> about. We, we started the show talking about the Gretzky rookie card and, and a lot of money, but that's even that's even more. Uh, <laughs> but, Rick, it's it's still, uh, yeah, it's it's still remarkable that uh, the Habs are the third most. I believe it was by the Rangers and the Maple Leafs as uh, as one and two and that's been the case i think for the past past number of years it's been that way but uh, still uh, pretty cool but uh moving on to brian burke who uh we talk about a little bit on this podcast and uh he's 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 known for for sharing his opinions and being uh, very <laughs> very you know honest very upfront about what he believes and uh he was complimentary of the montreal Canadiens this week uh he said Montreal, in my mind, is more playoff ready than any other Canadian team. I think what Montreal did, I picked them as the best team in Canada now as far as the Stanley Cup favorite. So that's that's some high praise from Brian Burke, who's got ties to a couple Canadian teams, uh, three Canadian teams, actually. The Leafs, the Flames, and the Canucks being a former executive for them. Uh, so that's a lot to say there for Brian Burke. <laughs> and those kind of words will get you in trouble in Toronto, obviously, oh, yeah. uh, who consider themselves uh, the class of what would be a, an all-Canadian division if, if that comes to pass. And the <laughs> reason um, that he was asked, why are, why are you uh, so bullish on, on the Canadians? And he said, um, yes, Barry Kotkaniemi and Nick Suzuki demonstrated that they can play center at a high level even in pressure situations. If you have Deneau in the three-hole, all of a sudden the center position looks pretty good. Um, they ta- he talked about the, the problems that the Canadians had last year not being able to score off the wings other than Brendan Gallagher, but uh, adding uh, Josh Anderson and Tyler Toffoli will help that situation, and he talked about getting a, a quality backup, which will help in a compressed mm-hmm. schedule. He says, uh, for him, uh, the Canadians have checked all the boxes, and uh, and he has fewer questions about the Canadians than he does about the Leafs, and and uh, and although he likes, uh, you know, the the the, the uh, changes that have been made, the additions to other teams, yeah. he's um, he's pretty high on the Canadians. Yeah, and I guess we'll be we'll be touching on that a little bit in uh, the second segment uh, about some of the things that he touched on there with the likes of Toffoli. And Anderson added to the fold. Um, but Rick, before we get there, we'll just toss in some news and notes from around the hockey world. So we've come to know that it's 
very unlikely. The the month the uh, NHL was targeting that January first start date, and it became clear that that was probably not going to happen. Um, but now they're targeting a January thirteenth start with training camps opening January third, and we've been touching on the fact that the teams that were not involved in the playoff bubble in Toronto or Edmonton uh, would be afforded an earlier training camp, which would be set to take place December 31st for those non-playoff teams. So, yeah, they, they've, they've shifted their focus now because it's, it's getting, you know, it's, that's a month away from now, January 13th. Um, so January 1st uh, is not going to happen. So they've, they've shifted their focus a bit there. And uh, players still have to come back. They still have to, in some cases, um, uh, um, respect a quarantine situation. Yeah. And, and so time is getting uh, tight. And, and we, I would expect a, some sort of announcement this week. But you're right. Uh, we're looking yeah. now at a, at a January 13th start, um, leaning towards a 56-game uh, schedule. Uh, looking that the, there will be an all-Canadian division. And the yep. whole issue uh, where there was a bit of a standoff about how would, you know, they're going to split revenues 50-50, but how would how would that be executed? Uh, they're just going to leave that alone for now and uh, deal with it uh, later. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and I think both sides will realize that uh, the first and foremost priority is getting a season underway. Um, but they, they have to build in cushions. They have to build in, uh, time in the schedule, uh, for uh, makeup games. We saw that with other sports, yeah. uh, having to, um, uh, you know, COVID re- related cancellations or postponements, uh, that time has to be built into the schedule. And the other part, they have to realize that, that rosters have to be expanded. Um, and, uh, because, because they, they just can't operate on the regular roster limits uh, in a COVID environment. So uh, how that's going to be, a, how that's going to affect the AHL, how that's going to affect uh, the salary cap by, by carrying extra players, how that's going to affect uh, waivers and call-ups and bringing, we, we don't know any of that right now, but uh, we're assuming that, that all of those things have to change. Yeah. And additionally, you're looking at, the logistics of all of this. And the one thing that really interested me was how trades are going to happen if it's between a team in the All-Canadian Division and another team that's playing south of the border, playing in the U.S. What's that going to look like? Well, there seems to be that cross-border trades are going to be allowed, but then you'll have to respect the quarantine periods uh, that are set in place, whether it's 10 days, whether it's two weeks, whatever it might be. Um, for whatever wherever the, that player might be going. So it, it will certainly make the trade deadline period a little bit, and we don't know when that will be. Obviously, there's a lot of uncertainty there, but yeah, it, it's going to be a very interesting period um, with those with that with having to respect the quarantine periods um, that, that, that are set in place. It's, it's going to make it a little bit more complicated to integrate a player midseason if you're going to be doing that at a trade deadline whenever that might be. And yeah. the other item that uh, caused a bit of a stir, I guess, is the NHL said that they um, intend to purchase, when it's available privately, um, one or, or many, many doses of yeah. of, of the uh, COVID-19 vaccine. And, um, you know, fans got a little 
a little bit a little bit jumpy about that, given they they don't want to see anybody jump the line, and I don't think there was any intention whatsoever on behalf yeah. of uh, Gary Batman or to to jump the line. They were just saying that when it's available, they want to purchase the vaccine mm-hmm. for uh, all their players. Uh, but you know, it's it's a it's a difficult topic right now. Yeah, uh, you have vaccines being approved: the Pfizer vaccine, Moderna vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, started being vaccinated in the UK and it's, uh, will happen in the U S and Canada this week. Um, so it's, it's, you know, but, but everybody's wondering when they can get theirs and, and, uh, are not necessarily wanting to see hockey players yeah. go above, you know, uh, front frontline workers or, or mm-hmm. people in, in seniors homes or those kinds of things. And, and, yeah. and I think the, the, uh, NHL is pretty cognizant of that. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's, I don't think that there would be any intention on, on them to, to jump the line. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's a very difficult conversation to have right now, but it'll become, I think it might be easier to have that as, as the weeks go on. And with all the approvals going on for the vaccines, it'll probably get, it's probably an easier conversation to have uh, in, a, in a couple weeks. But uh, Rick, we'll, we'll take a break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. And when we come back, we have that very interesting topic to discuss about whether or not this might be the best Montreal Canadiens team that we've seen in the last 25 years. So stay with us. We're going to discuss that after a quick break. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at AllHabs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, so, Rick, as we touched on, uh, we will be discussing uh, an article that was written um, in the press 
by Matthias Brunet, um, where he argued that the upcoming season, the 2020-2021 edition of the Montreal Canadiens, could be the best Habs roster in the last 25 years. And in this article, he compares the lineup, the projected lineup for this upcoming season to three lineups, three rosters um, of the past 25 years, going to 1995, where we were last week when we discussed uh, the Patrick Waugh trade, and he looks at the roster before that trade happened and before Serge Savard uh, was fired. And then he looks at the 2010 roster, where they had that miracle run that we touched on two weeks ago with Anakin Slade Mm -hmm. uh, and gave our thoughts on as well. And he touches on the 2013 opening roster. That was a lockout shortened season. Um, And that was Mark Bergevin's first season um, as the general manager of the Montreal Canadiens. So those are the three teams uh, Brunet uses to put this all sort of into context. And the 2020-2021 roster, um, is it better than those three? Is it better than any other one that we've seen in the last 25 years? It's a very, very interesting question. And uh, as you said, because it ties into some conversations we've had uh, the last uh, couple of weeks, uh, we, we decided that we'd have that conversation here. That's right. And and I guess we raise it as a bit of a thought experiment and to ask you, uh, mm-hmm. Our listeners, um, our subscribers, uh, is this the best team? Is this the best team of the last quarter century? Is this the best team of your lifetime? What other teams do uh, do you think of? What other rosters do you think of? Um, and and no fair if if you're going to raise the the '70s rosters, it's just yeah, not, it's, no. it's just not fair. <laughs> uh, Matthias Brunet specifically goes back, uh, and as you said, it ties in really nicely with conversations we've had over the past uh, three weeks, I guess. Um, and um, uh, it's it's if if. We want to hear from you, as we always yeah. do. If uh, you want to send us an email, info at allhabs.net. If you want to uh, tap our, our Rocket Sports uh, uh, line uh, that's 24 hours a day, uh, the text line is 5853ROCKET. If you want to uh, reach out to us on um, social media, you can get us on uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, listen, this is as we were talking uh, uh, in, the, in the commercial break. Um, it's, it's an interest, interesting topic. Um, the Canadians, uh, you know, we, we said the enthusiasm of, of fans right now is, uh, we haven't seen it this way for a decade, maybe. Um, they're certainly excited about this roster. They certainly feel that holes have been filled. Uh, but how does this roster not only compare against, uh, previous Canadian teams, but how does it compare to the teams that they're going to face on a regular basis, particularly those in that all-Canadian division. Yeah, and that's the question, right? I mean, listen, I I think, personally, I think that if you're looking at this team on paper, this team shows more promise than any other team in my lifetime. I I, I truly believe that. I think that everything that's happened here, the emergence of, of two young centers that you have not had, uh, quite frankly, I think since Zaku Koivu, and Thomas Placanich, you I don't think you've had the quality of centerman that you have. In addition to what Brian Burke describes as if you can get Philip Deneau to slide into that three hole and be a, a willing contributor in that spot, then you've re, you're really in business there. Then you've added 
a guy like Tyler Toffoli added Josh Anderson. They're in a much better position to be competitive and stacked up against past Canadians rosters. I don't think there's a question, at least not for me. Um, There's a lot of talent here, but the problem there is that, as you said, you have to beat the teams in front of you. And when it comes to that, the on paper part of it, it doesn't really factor in because one of the teams that, that Brene used as, as to use against and, and sort of contrast, compare and contrast was the 2010 team. And we talked about that team with Anakin Slade. And the thing about that is they were the, that was the epitome of, of will versus skill. And we can look at this roster and we can say that the Montreal Canadiens have a lot of skill. But until they step out of the ice and we see the will that they have to win, then it doesn't ultimately matter. But this is all to say that even with that, I still believe that this team has a lot of things trending in the right direction at the right time. The prospect pool, I think, is as good as it's as good as it's ever been with Mark Bergevin. They've made transactions that have worked out favorably. They've made additions via free agency, finally, which has been you've been waiting on that. So they've added to the core group without giving up something to get it. You've made additions without subtracting, and that's something that you've been waiting for Mark Bergevin to do. And then, you know, that's the, the, the question, and you said it. It's, are they going to be better than the teams in front of them? And that's, that's the ultimate question. And uh, there's, there's some assumptions here, right? Um, yes. There, yes. <laughs> there are some assumptions, and it's how that all comes together, how that all gels going there's been it's it's thought that there's been improvements made to the power play how's that going to uh how's that going to play out it's thought that uh Jonathan Drouin will reach another level how's how, we haven't mm-hmm. seen it in the past how's that going to play out uh Brian Burke's uh praise is based on the assumption that uh Suzuki and Kakinyemi will be your top two centers uh yeah. we know that 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 kind of rubs against the grain of, of Phil Deneau. Um, mm-hmm. Is he going to a- accept that role, uh, which he could excel at that, that third yes. slot, as, as Brian Burke said, um, and allow him to, to focus a bit more. Is he going to uh, be a team player? We, and, and, and the other part of it is, uh, you know, our Suzuki and Kakinemi, uh, they they look good in a in a shortened um, return to play and playoff yeah. uh, grouping, but are they going to be able to carry that over a, a fifty six game season? We don't know that. Yeah. Is is uh, Claude Julian going to be able to trust them and and not resist the urge to 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 uh, you know stick uh, Phil Deneau back on the first line? We don't know any of those things. The other thing I'll say is. Um, the Canadians have made have filled the holes. Mark Bergevin mm-hmm. has filled the holes. But remember where they're coming from. They finished twenty fourth, um, yes. and and did he bring them up enough to be uh, a team who's going to uh, enter the playoffs and make an early exit, or did he uh, improve them enough to make a giant leap into that top grouping where they're actually uh, considered a contender? We don't know that either. Yeah. And one more thing, and I think that this is actually, this might be the most important thing. And it's strange to say that, but Jake Allen, 
can you rely on Jake Allen? Because, listen, there's a body of work from last year. We've discussed this multiple times, but as we're drawing closer and closer and, and you hear Pierre Allard talk about workload, managing that workload, is Jake Allen going to be capable? Keep in mind, this is not the St. Louis Blues. It's not Alex Petrangelo, Colton Pareko, Braden Shen, Ryan O'Reilly. This is, this is a different environment for him. This is not the defending Stanley Cup champions. There's some good pieces here, and, and I'm not saying that playing in behind Shea Weber is you know is is going to make life more difficult isn't it? it's not Shea Weber's a fine defenseman Jeff Petrie uh, Ben Chirot Joel Edmondson in theory and Joel Edmondson being a guy that Jake Allen's played with before in theory that should probably make life relatively relatively nice I won't say easy but relatively nice for Jake Allen but Jake Allen's a guy that struggled with consistency he's been up and down throughout his career in a twenty game or whatever in a condensed schedule that might uh, equate to but in a 20 game sample size last year you saw that he could manage that does he manage it in Montreal where there might be a little bit more pressure where there might be a little less quality of team in front of him that's where my concern lies other than that though I think um, and the thing that I'm very intrigued about is Tyler Toffoli because, you know, Josh Anderson is a guy that people look at the contract and they see the term that was given to Josh Anderson. Uh, the amount, the dollar value isn't, you know, um, isn't ludicrous. It's only five and a half annually as on an average value. But Tyler Toffoli, I think, is a really nice insurance policy that Mark Bergevin has added here. And I'm really intrigued because you look at his career, you can basically... You can pencil him in for about 20 goals. He might miss the mark a little bit sometimes. There's one year he had 13, one year he had 16. But some of that was due to injuries, uh, specifically uh, 16, 17. But regardless, I, I think that there has been enough that Mark Bergevin has done that could very well turn the tide for that power play that you spoke of. And Kirk Muller talked about that a couple weeks back, thinking that they might have enough personnel to finally have two competent power play units. But this is a lot of assuming that we're doing here. That's the large point of this. And there's some legitimate questions. I think that Brian Burke, I mean, I think that he is, um, he might be a little bit too high in the Montreal Canadiens too early because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot more uh, place to, to fall than there is, I think, to rise for the Montreal Canadiens because a lot of their success was tied, of course, to Carey Price, but then to two young centermen emerging in a way that we didn't think that they would that quickly. So, it, yeah. It's interesting you mention uh, Jake uh, Allen. And um, I over the last two weeks, I've heard uh, from a number of of uh, Canadians fans who, who are familiar with uh, Jake Allen because they used to trudge over to the, uh, to the arena in Verdun to watch Jake Allen play for the Montreal Juniors and they remember a, a particular playoff situation a year where uh, he struggled. Um, he really, really struggled and and kind of wilted under the the pressure. So uh, they're they're raising a similar kind of question that uh, that you did. You also mentioned Josh Anderson, and 
And uh, will he be able to hold up? Um, yeah. We don't we don't know about his injury situation, and and let's let's broaden it away from Josh Anderson. The Canadians have been very fortunate over the past two seasons, twenty uh, fourth, I believe, two seasons ago, fifteenth last season in uh, games lost to injury. Um, they they've they've been relatively unscathed compared to other teams when it comes to injury. Is that going to change? And we're not wishing it on anyone uh, no. during a during a, a a season where um, it's going to be a, a highly compressed schedule. We sure hope not. But injuries always have uh, uh, can have a way of der- derailing the the best plans. Yeah, and and one other thing, and I was thinking about this earlier today because. You know, obviously, when you see acquisitions, you see changes, transactions that are made by a team, and you you get really good players. You think, oh, okay, wow, that's gonna really that's gonna move the needle here. This is going to improve them. And you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out. And that's something that you have to account for too. Is that maybe one of the things that Mark Bergevin d- uh, did this offseason just does not pan out. And I thought about when I was covering the Belleville Senators in 2017, 2018. And in the fall of 2017, the Ottawa Senators made a move for Matt Duchesne. And keep in mind, that's a point in time where the Ottawa Senators were a goal away from the Stanley Cup final the prior season. And you're thinking, well, here you go. Yeah. This is all in. They're going all in. This is going to be a great team. They're going to be right back. And and maybe they'll, they'll make it to the Stanley Cup final this time. And they just have a disastrous season, and it falls off off the rails in a way that I don't think anybody anticipated. And and that is to say that it's been a while since the Montreal Canadiens have been in a position where they've made these types of acquisitions with the idea of winning right now. And it's just to say that there's times where it just doesn't work out. And you don't know why exactly it doesn't work out, because Matt Duchesne got traded to Columbus, and Columbus beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in a sweep in four games. And you're like, why did that not work with a team that was a goal away from the Stanley cup finals? You don't know. There, there's, there's sometimes it just does not work out and it, you can't really put your finger on one exact thing, but it just doesn't. So there's a lot that can go wrong. You pointed out one thing being injuries. It could just be that these pieces put together don't find that fit. Um, but you hope that that doesn't happen. <laughs> and you think that you might be able to uh, make a run out of it. Well, you better make it fit uh, quickly. And, and yeah. tr- that shortened training <laughs> camp is going to be really important uh, because you, you in a 56-game uh, season, you've got to have a good start. Uh, yeah. And streaks are going to be very important. You can't afford an eight-game losing re- no. streak, never mind a two, <laughs> have that happening twice as it did last season. Yeah, that's a that's a harsh memory to be reminded of. They had two eight game losing streaks. Uh, yeah, you can ill afford to have that uh, in what might be a, what's a fifty six game season. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a nice chunk of your schedule uh, down the drain if you do that again. So, listen, it's it's an interesting conversation to have. And and like I said, on paper, I think that this team does show an incredible amount of promise stacked up against previous Montreal Canadiens rosters Mm -hmm. but then you have the question of okay well is it going to be better than Toronto is it going to be better than Vancouver Edmonton Calgary Winnipeg or even Ottawa Ottawa might be an interesting team to watch but all that is to say we don't really know the answers to those questions (laughs) because we need to see it actually happen in front of us we need to see the game happen but 
Uh, Rick, I think uh, we've had a very interesting conversation. And like you said at the very outset of this conversation, we want to hear from our listeners. You can chime in. It's info at all Habs on social media at all Habs at Habs Connection, uh, whichever way you choose uh, to reach out. Uh, you can obviously uh, the text line as well, five eight five three Rocket, um, and and yeah, share your thoughts because on paper this does definitely look like uh, one of the better teams of the last twenty five years for the Montreal Canadiens. So uh, we'd like to hear from you on that. Uh, Rick, we'll take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast, and we'll wrap it up when we come back. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 114 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Uh, you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, as we said last segment, we really wanted to raise that topic of conversation, share our thoughts, but we really like to hear from you. So as we said, info at all Habs. You can reach us at 585-3-ROCKET on social media at all Habs at Habs Connection, uh, whichever way you so choose. And, and last week, we had the conversation surrounding the 25th anniversary of the Patrick Waugh trade, and we did get some feedback on that episode and that segment where we discussed it. This coming from uh, this coming via uh, info at allhabs.net uh, email. This is uh, from our dear friends Dino and Molly, who say, Salut bien. 
Rick and Joseph just caught up with last Saturday's show. Holy smokes, what a show. It was an emo- emotional roller coaster, which uh, <laughs> we did kind of go through that. Um, yeah. as, as he says, the highs of our inception in 1909 to the incoherence of losing St. Patrick. Uh, thanks so much for your uh, information and your insights. And uh, he goes on to ask a, a number of, of questions uh, himself, saying that that uh, there was information he wasn't aware of until the show, and we're glad to have uh, been able to share that. Um, uh, says uh, the trade was a, a disaster. Yeah, indeed it was. <laughs> and yeah. uh, um, But he also went on to talk about uh, um, uh, being very impressed with... Uh, Luke Richardson, and we included quite a number of, of clips from him because we don't get to hear uh, from him very often. And and uh, he spoke rather eloquently and, and yeah. uh, gave a lot of informational uh, detail uh, that, uh, that was very helpful. Anyway, he goes on to uh, wish us a good show today, which we appreciate, and, uh, and uh, lots of good lots of, uh, praise for for last week's show and we appreciate because you know uh there are fans there are listeners there are subscribers who um you know maybe not fully aware of of uh these historical kind of events and how they relate to uh the 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 teams that that followed and and where the canadians end up today and why there has been a, a bit of a drought since the last Stanley Cup in 93. So it's it's always important to look back at at history to get a sense of of um, where things are today. Yeah, that's that's always the way to know how did you end up where you are right now? Well, you have to take a look in the rearview mirror, see what's behind you, and that's that always gives you a good indication of why things have played out the way that they have and why the Montreal Canadiens have not won a Stanley Cup uh, since 1993. And uh, that trade of Patrick was we touched on last week sort of kick-starting an era of Montreal Canadiens hockey um, that that was not not a pleasant time to be a Montreal Canadiens fan but uh, Rick I think we, we've we've balanced it out this week with a lot of optimism as we've we've mm-hmm. been doing and we've been trying to keep a level head about all of this because we touched on a couple weeks ago there's a lot of optimism right now perhaps more than there has been in the last 10 years and um, maybe even 25, if you ask, <laughs> depending on who you ask. So it's going to be a fun ride. Um, maybe not the roller coaster that we said that last year would be. Uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty still about what this season is going to look like, how the Montreal Canadiens are going to perform, because that's something that you just don't know until you see it. So, uh, But as always, we'll try to keep a level head a little bit. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> try to ride the wave a little bit sometimes is, uh, is the best way to go about it. But we'll contain yeah. our excitement. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. when, when we, when we see the ice, uh, on the, on the yeah. Bell Center floor where Dan Bebo was this week, we're going to start to get excited. And, and listen, you, you don't want to miss next week's show because I'm, well, we have to find out what's happening with, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll have a lot more details for you. Uh, next week, be sure uh, over the course of this next week to be in touch with us in whichever way you wish and let us know if you think that this is the best uh, roster in the last quarter century and and uh, we want to hear uh, your reasons. 
Uh, but do stay tuned. And, and I know you're busy with Christmas shopping. I know you're busy with many things uh, and trying to get through this pandemic. But uh, we'll keep you informed on all of the Canadians' uh, news and, and issues and some of the insight we can pass along. We're always grateful that you join us uh, each week. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, talking with you again next week. Absolutely. And we'll be back right next week uh, discussing all things Montreal Canadiens. If you want to uh, find us, if you've this is the first episode that you've listened to of the Canadians Connection, uh, go ahead, hit that subscribe button. Then you don't have to worry about missing a future episode. And do the same uh, for the press, uh, fr- uh, the press zone, excuse me, formerly from the press box. I caught myself there. Uh, <laughs> nice. But the press zone. <laughs> hit the subscribe button for the press zone as well. Uh, Rick, you, yourself, and, and Amy Johnson, do a marvelous job uh, at the press zone uh, as well. So we'll be back, as Rick said, next week, hopefully discussing uh, some more concrete news surrounding what the return to play is going to look like. So we'll be back next week. Thank you for tuning into the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians.